We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation. Happy Saturday to everybody out there watching. CP from Knicks Fan TV, my man JL's from Nick of Time Show. JL's another edition of the Quarantine Stream. Today we got company, man. We've uh, we've we've extended the Olive Branch. <laughs> we've offered the Peace Treaty. <laughs> we've brought a, a an insider from that team that plays in Brooklyn. Only because we need answers, Jails. Yeah, we need answers. So play Only nice. because we play need nice. answers. So we playing nice today. <laughs> Welcome our guest. He covers Welcome the Nets for Nets Daily. Also, his own podcast called The Brooklyn Way. Anthony Puccio, a.k.a. Pooch. Pooch, what's going on, man? How you doing, bro? Guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. And like I said from the beginning, I come in peace. We're Sorry. Having, it's, it's, it's all good, brother. We, we welcome you in. We welcome you in. You know, you might not be able to see my, my shirt right now. But, uh, you know, listen, <laughs> it, just in case things things go off the rails, listen, we're ready to go, man. Don't worry about it. Hey, man, I'm always ready. It's all love, like I said. All right, no doubt, man. So, you know, a couple of reasons why I want to have you on today. Definitely want to touch on Kenny Atkinson. Um, it said that Kenny Atkinson has been gaining some steam within mm-hmm. – uh, the ranks at MSG, so definitely want to take your uh, get your thoughts on on Kenny, and also wanted to talk about um, you know the the fallout from last night's players only conference call and this the slander that Kyrie Irving has been getting. So definitely want to get your takes on on both of those. Um, on the Atkinson topic, you know he was fired from the Nets earlier this season. Recently, um, in a podcast that Shams was on, he mentioned a couple things that had trickled out in, in terms of what happened with Kenny. Um, there was questions about his offensive system, the X's and O's. There was questions around DeAndre Jordan starting. He had some issues with it. And then the KD factor, KD right. saying that he didn't feel like he was a championship coach. You've been covering this team for some years now. What is your take on, on all of this? What is your take on the Atkinson fallout? You know, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but, you know, 
covering this team for seven years now, and this is, you know, seeing seeing what Kenny Atkinson had built. When the Nets hired him and Sean Marks, you know, it was clear this 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 uh, agenda to push this culture, uh, hard working, blue collar, high character, you know, all this stuff, like like this this culture that that Kenny built. And you guys know, you know, he, he turned a 20-win team into a 42-win team with very little talent. And while this was all going on, Kenny did help and, and was integral in building this culture that they did preach for so long. DeAndre Jordan not happy about being in the starting lineup, like you mentioned, that Sean reported. It was, it was Kyrie Irving who was unhappy with the offense. It was, it was mm. KD who was unhappy with the offense and said that he wasn't a championship coach. Now, you know, I look at this and I, I say, you know, I understand the difference between a superstar culture and, and the culture that they had built. But the Nets don't get to this point without what Ken, uh, without Kenny Atkinson. And these guys didn't even play a single minute for this man. Right. It just and seems to me like they didn't they didn't really even give him a chance. Yeah. No, not not one chance at all. And you look back and you take you take media day comments with a grain of salt. But let me tell you something. KD stands up on that pedestal and he starts raving. <laughs> I kind of saw like Kenny Atkinson and not not like to, to put it this way, but I, I saw Kenny Atkinson with Sean Marks almost like Eric Spolstra to Pat Riley in the sense that I thought they were kind of in this together. Like they worked through this. This year was kind of a lost year. But to me, it just it just felt hypocritical for Sean Marks to be uh, preaching culture, 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 and then completely veer off from everything that he had preached over the years mm. and did not practice that as soon as these guys came into the building. Now, again, yeah. I understand a superstar culture, I understand the things that change when you have a guy like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the building. But the only reason why the Brooklyn Nets were in this position to begin with was because of Kenny Atkinson. So to see these guys be the main factors as to why he got fired without playing a single minute, it tells me a lot about the Nets and the, and the direction that they're headed in. And really, it makes me question who's really calling the shots. Because when Sean Marks was calling the shots, the Nets were in pretty good shape. Mm. Now, mm. somebody else, you know, might be behind the scenes. You know, they got they gutted the team last year. They fired the head coach that got them here without playing a single minute yeah. together. It's fishy, man. You know, it, the yeah. one thing to me is that if they trade Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, the guys that made up the foundation that Sean Marks built around the surrounding cast, I think you have to say that, you know, we went from a healthy culture in Brooklyn to one that could be considered toxic. You know, something that they didn't embrace Brooklyn for all the reasons that they said they did. Right. Rather, let's let's come here, let's let's empty house. And turn it into our own, but they didn't need to turn it into their own because Brooklyn was in good shape. So I just, I felt like Kenny got a, a raw deal. I thought he was a scapegoat for a lot of other issues that were going on in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was not perfect. He was not perfect. His X and O's weren't. Yeah, let, let's get to that. Let's get to the X's you know, and O's like, because I, I've heard a lot of Nets fans had a gripe with him in terms of his in-game adjustments. You know, mm -hmm. not properly handling his rotations, especially late in games. How did you see it? Look, I, I think that Kenny was a very hands-on coach. He did things the way he wanted to do it, and he wasn't going to let anybody else tell him otherwise. And I thought that was great because it worked for the first couple of years. Now, again, KD wasn't on the court this year, so he was forced to, to play guys that were 
maybe playing out of position. You look at Toreen Prince, he's not going to be starting when KD comes back. You look at Kyrie, he's in the lineup all year long. You know, not, it wasn't like, you know, he played 20 games. It's not like he was playing 20 straight games and they had some continuity to build off. It was just very sporadic. Play five games, out the next 10. You know, play five. So there was no continuity. And, and again, I understand, like, Kenny with the X and O's, he was a great out-of-time uh, out out coach. Like I tell you, and that's something Nets fans can't even dispute. He was very good with that. Mm. I think his his rotations were questionable at times, mm. but he never really had much talent to right, begin with. Right. It was almost yeah. like, what do you want the guy to do? He's he's squeezing the most out of what he has. Uh, the, one, the one problem I had with Kenny was just the stubbornness, I, you know, and by that, I mean, you know, he had a game plan. It was, it was, we're going to run and gun, shoot a ton of three pointers. We're going to play the modern style of basketball, but the Nets just didn't have the personnel to fit that. You know, mm. Torrey Prince shouldn't be playing the floor. Quincy AC shouldn't be the starting four two years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, we know him well. We know Quincy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bombing on us. That was a wild, that was a crazy part. He was bombing on us. Yeah. And, and look, no, 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 this against Q because he fit the system. He did hit the three ball, but, you know, Kenny's got to adjust. You got a guy, you got DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. Why not try and start them together? Why Why not try and change things up? So my thing was like his game plan, he didn't really change. It was kind of the same thing. You know, if there was a problem in the first half, it was like, what are the adjustments? Shoot hmm. more three. We're just going to keep sticking to the game plan. Right. And I'm, I'm cool with sticking to the game plan. I think, you know, if you veer far off, then, then you know, you have some problems. But – you have to adjust as a coach. And that was his biggest problem is that he didn't adjust. He he shorted minutes for guys. You know, D'Angelo Russell averaged like 28 minutes in the playoffs last year. And and D'Lo, you know, D'Lo was quoted as you know, not so complimentary uh, of Kenny, basically saying mm-hmm. that he didn't know what he had. So D'Lo wasn't really feeling the uh, the uh, the Kenny compliments. What do you think about that? Well, Gus, you know, like I appreciate D'Lo. I think like I saw him – Turn for like I feel like I almost saw like a kid turn into a man when he came to Brooklyn, and I think that Kenny Atkinson had a big role to do with that. I kind of see D'Angelo Russell's comments also as hypocritical because you know Ken, that D'Angelo wanted to come back to Brooklyn so bad under head coach Kenny Atkinson. Mm. You know who who made him that max contract? Who who, who turned him into an all star? You know who gave him that opportunity? I understand the circumstances. It was because Karis LeVert got hurt and this that and the other thing. But call a spade a spade here. He gave D'Angelo the chance. And D'Angelo made the most of it. You know, it's a credit mm-hmm. to both of them to kind of go out after when Kenny's at his lowest, he gets fired and, and this, that, and the other thing. I kind of thought that was immature, D'Lo. I thought he kind of reverted back to his past. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of would have been better off keeping his hands off because, in my opinion, you know, at the end of the day, Kenny made him a better basketball player. Very interesting. Before you go, JL, salute to everybody in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. We're chatting with Anthony Puccio. He writes for Nets Daily and covers the Nets as well on his podcast, The Brooklyn Way. Uh, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. JL, go ahead with your, your question. No, I was, I was just thinking, like, do you think that has anything to do with um, him just being moved at that point and maybe feeling like he didn't want, they didn't really want him there because they wanted to go, you know, the big game hunting with Kyrie? Like, I wonder if that has like, probably sour grapes, right? Because yeah, he ended up yeah. getting moved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's just uh, the comments from D'Angelo just felt a little petty to me. And again, like I, I, I really do think highly of D'Angelo. I think he matured a lot, but I felt like he took a step back and was kind of using, you know, that moment to kind of blame Kenny as a scapegoat. Now covering the team, being close with the guys last year, you know, I, I know uh, D'Lo had issues 
with not playing in the fourth quarter, and rightfully so. He That's- was upset. He was upset that Spencer was getting was getting time over him, this, that, and the other thing. But here's the thing. He proved everybody wrong. He won. At the end of the day, he got his money. Maybe he didn't win because he didn't come back to Brooklyn where he wanted to be. But, mm. you know, it just, it just felt petty to me. And, like, you make a great point that maybe he was sour about them going after the big names. But maybe right. he had more of a gripe with Sean Marks. Than he should with Kenny Atkinson. You know, it just it just felt like they were using Kenny as a scapegoat when the guy really did fantastic things for the organization and all the players involved too. Uh, that is very interesting, man. And and you mentioned Delo's progress. I also look at a guy like a Dinwiddie, he his progression. I look at Joe Harris where he came from Karis Levert as well. What do you feel like? Um, you know, what do you think about Atkinson's role as a as a developmental coach? How do you think he did there? I, I look, I mean, and you even said it. I think that Kenny Atkinson is is perfect in a role where, if if and, and in context with the Knicks, I said this from day one. When he got fired, I said the Knicks are the perfect destination for him because you have to look at you have to look at R.J. Barrett as your D'Angelo Russell. You have to look at Mitch Robinson as as your Jared Allen, but maybe even better. You know what I mean? Like you have where the Knicks are right now is where the Nets were when they hired Kenny Atkinson, except they're in a better position because they have more talent. They have draft picks. They got the assets. They have the assets. If James Dolan could kind of just, just wait two years, just let Kenny do his thing for two years. You know what I'm saying? And just let him be on the court with those guys. That was the biggest thing with Kenny was that he instilled confidence with them. And he was on the court with these guys every practice, sweating himself, running up and down, doing doing laps with them, doing everything that he possibly could. Him and his assistant coaching staff, you know, that was their biggest claim to fame, and that's why the Nets right now want to keep Kenny's assistant coaching staff because mm. they know how important that is for these guys to be out there on the floor with them. He, you know, this whole staff was basically guys that 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 had played at a high level. You look, you look at Jacques Vaughn, you look at Brett Brelmeyer, Adam Harrington. You know, these guys are all guys that played overseas, that played in the NBA. So he had guys that were on the court with these guys, helping them, yes, develop and 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 buy into what he was trying to preach, which was confidence. Yo, you missed those first eight shots. I want you to keep shooting if you're open. Like, mm. no BS, just just play your game. And and I thought Kenny did a great job with that. You look at a guy like uh, – I almost said Quincy Yacy. <laughs> uh, you look at a guy like Karis You look at a guy like D'Lo. You know, even older guys like Damari Carroll, like he got better under Kenny, you know, and, and I, I just look at these examples. Spencer Dinwiddie, who I got to admit, I was super disappointed to hear him come out and be one of the people that had beef with Kenny Atkinson's system mm. because Spencer Dinwiddie was in the G League and Atkinson and, and, and Marks plucked him out and turned him into a 20-6 and six guy. I mean, you know, you don't get that opportunity without Kenny Atkinson believing in you and to see Spencer kind of jump on the train with Kyrie and uh, KD just kind of seemed fugazi to me. It just felt like he was jumping on the, you know, side that, 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 you know, I don't really know how to put it, but it just seems wrong because, you know, without Kenny Atkinson, I don't know if Spencer Dinwiddie is who he is today. I don't even know if he's in the league without Kenny Atkinson. So yeah. you look at all the guys that he developed, they turned into trade pieces and put themselves in the position today to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You can't dispute what Kenny Atkinson did with this team was was borderline like miraculous. A 20-win team to a 42-win team last year. 
and 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 they gave sure. a dog fight with basically very little to work with. It's a true story, man. True story. JLS, you had a question? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just. If, if what he says is true, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, we've seen these videos of Mitchell Robinson shooting threes, and we know how tentative Frank has been, even though he's, he's talented, taking some baby steps recently. Someone like Kenny Atkinson who can kind of, you know, give him a little bit of confidence and encourage him to shoot more, I think could be good for us coming into next season. So I hope we give everybody a fair shot and give it like a real interview for Kenny and Mike and whoever and not just hand, hand the keys over to Tom just because, you know, they cool boys from 96 yeah. and they share a beer together. Like, I hope they're really, <laughs> the Knicks really do their due diligence here. Yeah. I, I just think if they go Thibodeau, I think they're making the same mistakes as the past, trying to rush something that isn't there. When If you get Atkinson, you could, again, maybe not – you don't have to do exactly what the Nets did, but something similar. And, and you give it one, two years, let them develop these guys. You know, and, and let me tell you something, guys. Like, like knowing Kenny, he loves Frank. And yes. Nets have been trying to get Frank for years. Frank unleashed. Some people Frank in chat might not like that, but I'm, I'm with it. I'm on board. Let's go. Get Frank after this. Can he become coach of the Knicks? Can Frank is going to be a stud. He's going to be a minute. Frank Hive, stand up. Come on. Frank Hive, I don't know. Who's, who is the Frank Hive in the chat? If you're in the chat, give me a hashtag, Frank Hive. We might have just lost a couple of viewers, uh, but don't worry. We're going to bench Lamelo. We're going to Lamelo. Start Frank. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you, man. I think I think Tibbs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind either one, but I think Tibbs, you're kind of send, sending the signal that you're going to try to fast track this right. rebuild, and right. then I think that's when things get a little dicey. Um, with Kenny, I'd rather stick with the slow grind. In development style, maybe you want to bring Miller back for his defensive philosophy, bring Miller on as the associate head coach, and right. you have two guys with a developmental right. focus. I think that would be a solid, solid um team. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And like I said, like I think with Tibbs, like, I, I just I think you would be rushing the product. I think you'd be making the same mistake if Dolan could just be patient for two years and just let Kenny, if if if, if he does get hired, just let him do his thing. Yeah, do it in Brooklyn. Like you're gonna see a guy like R.J. Barrett turn into a stud, and he's gonna be a stud no matter what. I think whoever coaches him, I think very highly of R.J. as is everybody else. But I think you know Kenny Atkinson. You look at the point guards that he's worked with in the past, and the guards in general, just mm-hmm. ball handlers, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell. You know, like even you look at a guy like Chris Chioza that came off the bench this year for the Nets. Like he, he turned nothing into something out of a lot of these guys, and. You know, I look at R.J. Barrett. I look at Frank. You know, and, and I, I even, you know, even Mitch. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna see improvement from these guys. You're gonna see them playing a style of ball that they've never really played before. But I think that they'll excel in that style of ball because they'll have the confidence. They'll have that development to back them up. I think Tibbs would be a big mistake just because, again, you know, the free agent class this year really isn't great. You, you yeah. know, anybody that you sign would be really just a band aid. Whereas you do have a foundation right now. You have a good young core, you know, even like Kevin Knox who could, who could play the stretch four. You know, I feel like Kenny Atkinson could get the most out of him. And, and, and again, you have picks. You have a top pick this year. The Nets didn't have that. They didn't have that luxury. Kenny Atkinson started. Jeremy Lin was the best player, man. We know all about him. We know all about him. We know all about him. Anthony Bennett was coming off the bench, man. <laughs> Anthony like, like the team was starting. Like, you know, it just you see what he started with with the Nets and, and what he turned them into, and, and 
obviously a credit to Sean Marks, but I, look, I tip my hat to Kenny Atkinson because he turned he turned this organization around. Like that guy was was yeah. in the trenches with these guys. He woke up at four a.m. every single day after game day, after practice, whatever it might be. He was watching film mm. on his stationary bike, watching film every single day, trying to find a way to make these guys better, and, and it worked. Mm. That's, that's interesting, man. And we're talking to Anthony Puccio of Nets Daily and the Brooklyn Waste. We'll tell everybody in the chat on this Saturday. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Sure. Uh, you know, Pooch, we're going to be watching what the Nets do very closely this offseason. Not mm. because we're interested in whatever superstar you guys are trying to get with Kyrie and KD, but we're trying to see if uh, Joe Harris will be available. Yeah, shit that loose. What do you think about that, man? Can, can is is it possible that Joe Harris shakes loose in the Nets' pursuit of a of a third star to put with Kyrie and KD? I think they're going to do everything they can to try and re-sign him, but at the same time, I think Joe's value is is higher than. I mean, look, he, you know, he took a discount last time he re-signed with Brooklyn. Now the guy last year shot shot forty four percent from three. Obviously, he's going to be very coveted around the league. I don't know what his asking price is going to be, but I have to assume that it's going to be somewhere from sixteen to eighteen million. I don't yeah, know. I, from what I'm reading, around sixteen, around sixteen. Yeah, yeah. and I, and it's earned. You know, he's not just a three point shooter. He's a gritty, damn gritty basketball player. He could drive to the hole. He could, he, you know, he turned into a, a pretty solid all around basketball player. Uh, I'm not really sure if the Nets are going to be able to to retain him. Could that could that put them in potential luxury tax um, yeah, implications absolutely. there? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, you know, Joe Harris has been the motor to the Brooklyn Nets offense. Everything that they've predicated their offense on has been relying around Joe Harris. And now with Kenny gone and me being unsure with Jock Vaughn, Jock Vaughn has a legitimate shot, but you know whoever is coaching this team is going to play to the way that KD and Kyrie want to play. And that might not suit Joe Harris's uh, gameplay, game style. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I almost feel like, Sean Marks absolutely wants to bring him back. But if Sean Marks isn't making the shots, isn't calling the shots, if KD and Kyrie are, the way we've kind of seen this past year, are they going to pay 16 to 18 mil for Joe Harris and dip into the luxury taxes when they could just use that money and try and go get a third star? Yeah. You know See, I, I think I think that's where the Knicks can come oh. in with, with, yeah. that, with that cap, JL. So, I mean, yeah. if you got to overpay for him, it, it might be worth the pursuit, man. Maybe, maybe. I mean... That too, and DeAndre Jordan, they kind of paid a little for DeAndre Jordan. That might have hurt him a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that sacrifice for DeAndre might come back to hurt you, Poots. Yeah. Look, look, you're talking about Ed, you could bring Ed Davis last year, who was a great culture guy, good good on the court, good mentor for Jared Allen. They could have kept him on the Chiefs. They could have kept a guy like Dudley or, or Damari Carroll. You know, good culture guys that, that were well in the system. Now, with Joe Harris, if Kenny Atkinson signs if, – if, if the Knicks sign Kenny Atkinson, Kenny Joe Harris is Kenny Atkinson's poster boy. Like if Kenny Atkinson was a basketball player, it would be Joe Harris, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, like it would be perfect if 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 they signed Kenny. I could totally see Joe Harris staying in New York, getting that paycheck, and going right where he belongs with Kenny Atkinson, where he's appreciated. You know, you got to remember he was a towel boy for Kyrie back in Cleveland. I don't know what the respect mm. level is for him. Here in Brooklyn, I know I know the guys that have been here respect the heck out of Joe Harris, mm. but he he made his claim to fame under Kenny Atkinson. I don't know how these guys feel about him, the new guys feel about him, but I know Kenny Atkinson loves that guy. 
like his own son. You know what I'm saying? So but I think let's go to the phones. Lambo, turn your turn your phone down. You you're on live, man. Lambo wants to talk about the Atkinson situation. Yo, 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 what's good, bro? What's good, bro? Just turn turn your volume down on, on your TV or whatever you're watching the video on. Yeah, I turned it down already. You okay. can hear me? Yeah, go ahead, loud and clear, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet, man. I feel like um we should give Kenny two, three years. Like He's already perfect for the young core for development. Let him develop the young core, get the pieces moving. Of course, we still got to get this draft right because there's so much moving pieces that need to come together. But even from the bottom floor, I feel like Kenny Atkins is the perfect hire for us to build a foundation on. And then even if the two, three years is not perfect, I feel like he's the perfect person to get us on the, the right route having a solidified um, foundation on the floor foundation. You know what I mean? as, a, yeah. as a team and a basketball team. Because I feel like at the, the Knicks, we finally figured out that the young core is where we're going. At least he can get the players where they need to go and formations, defense, offense, so many different things. I think that he'll be able to figure out a lot of moving pieces we need moving forward. And if those two, three, work, two, three years work out, move forward with them. If not, you know, we can move with anybody else. Got it. Appreciate the call, man. Listen, I think, again, like I was saying, I think timelines-wise, I'd rather stick to a long-term rebuild, get the horses in place, we're getting the front office together, and everybody build this thing together, man. Build this thing together and establish a culture, a foundation, and sustained sustainability. Sustainability, a sustainable rebuild. And if you look what Leon is kind of doing... It seems like, if you don't look at the coach, it seems like he's building out the, a front office full of guys who can get scouts, who yep. get young yep. talent in here. So if you're going in a direction anyway, you might as well complete that process and bring in a coach or keep a coach, Mike Miller, who is, going to, who is known for you know developing young guys and Facts. cultivating that talent. Facts. <laughs> and, and when you mentioned um, the scout, we just signed – a young prodigy. Don't be jealous, Pooch. But we supposedly we got a whiz kid scout. His name is Alex Klein. JL's twenty six years old. It mm-hmm. was a scout with the New Orleans Pelicans. Came fresh out of college, out of Syracuse. Lifelong uh, uh, scout from sixteen years old. He's been scouting high school players. JL, that's crazy. Back in Philly, um, known to be a, a hard worker. First guy in, last guy out type of deal. He started a blog um, scouting young high school players such as Carl Anthony Towns. Um, straight from the AAU level on through. And uh, I think from what I read, his father and, and Leon Rose may have went to law school together as well, so there may have been a connection there. But yeah, young young Alex Klein is a new scout under Walt Perrin and, uh, and Scott Perry's team, man. So as you yeah. said, you know, Pet Rose, we wanted Rose to build his team properly with guys with experience, but also with sharp young minds. And I think mm-hmm. this kid falls into that bucket to learn, to continue to to learn on the wall. Perrin, who's who's a twenty year season veteran, um, as a GM as a scout, and then right. also bring a a new twist to things. You know what I mean? From a I younger like generation, a younger perspective. So I, I like that tandem of old and, and young. Yeah, man, I like that, like that bridging the gap thing. Because if you look at everybody who's on the staff, even Scott Perry, who some people hate, everyone here has the same kind of resume where they a built a lot of relationships around the league, b are known for meticulously hard workers, 
and they're and they have just good relationships. Generally, they're just well liked in general, unlike the guy Phil who kind of messed everything up on his head. And this this kid Alex is kind of fits that same pedigree, even as a high schooler. It's crazy to read how many people love this kid and how many relationships he's built already. And it seems like he still has, you know, the connections with the AAU in high school. So he might be early on on some certain people, much like uh, Perrin and, and Perry. So. Relationships, relationships, relationships. It started with mm-hmm. Leon. He's been known as a guy with a uh, ton of relationships. Scott Perry been in the game for a while. Relationship builder. Walt Perrin, same way. And now they're saying this kid, you know, again, he's starting 10 years in the game from the AAU level to the college levels and so on. He's a relationship builder as well. They say you could see him, you know, talking to the various executives before the game and um, just putting that preparation to it. So, again, I'm going to keep an open mind to it. Um, but so far, I like how Leon Rose is putting this team together, man, for sure. I was doubting him. I was like, who is this kid? I don't know. But he, he's making some nice moves. Yeah. If, he, if he nails the coach, then I'm going to feel a lot better about yeah. this Leon. Well, listen, <laughs> you're going to have a team of scouts, right? You're going to have a team of people. Um, but again, you, you bring in a wall parent, you bring in a kid with, with his resume, with Alex Klein's type of resume, and, and I think you should be on your way in, in terms of formulating that team. So um, I like the approach. I do. At the very least, like the approach. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. CP from Knicks Fan TV, my man JL's from Nick of Time Show. Special guest. This is the the... Once in a while, peace treaty, J. Ellis, that we extend <laughs> to our friends over there in Brooklyn. Welcome, Pooch. Cross the, the bridge. Show. You know I live in Brooklyn. Appreciate yeah, it, you live in Brooklyn, <laughs> J. Ellis, but for, but for all intents and purposes, there's a bridge between Nets and Knicks. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, let's talk about this fallout from this conference call last night, man. So oh, man. NBA's been planning this restart for July 31st. <laughs> last week... NBA Players Association and the Executive Committee voted 21-0 to to agree to the restart at the bubble site. Mm. A lot of things going on in the country since then. Obviously, all the civil unrest with George Floyd, the police murders, uh, Breonna Taylor, and so on and so forth. That has impacted all of us. Impacted all of us, in particular those within the African-American community. In particular, the eighty percent population of the NBA. So there's there's a lot at at, at you know in play here, and, and a lot of emotions going on, JLs, as we said. Um, so Kyrie now holds his conference call last night with with his peers in the league. There were some WNBA players um, there as well to kind of air out their their grievances, air out their issues with the restart, and also talk about how they can make a change. Uh, in terms of um, social justice and so on. Now, it seems like Woes kind of took this thing out of context and he throws out the Kyrie is a disruptor uh, uh, article, Uh-oh. which then Uh-oh. sets off a Twitter storm. Yeah, last night, Twitter was just in a buzz. Now Kyrie's trending topic because Kyrie basically said, you know, I'll, I'll throw this all away. For, for to, to go back to the social justice. And I would add, people were saying that Kyrie was basically advocating on this call for his colleagues to not play in the restart and shut it all down. Mm. And so this created a whole storm. Kyrie's selfish. You know, people bringing out the flat earth type of thing. It, it, turned, it turned into a mess, you know what's man. Coming. Turn it to a mess, man. Now, now, Pooch, you were taking what was the task on that on Twitter. I mean, what what did you think about the the comments and and everything that transpired last night? 
you know, the disturber part, I, I kind of, you know, I, I feel like they were trying to villainize uh, Kyrie Irving. I agree. You know, I thought that was totally out of line. I got to be honest with you. And, and, and people do tell me, you know, distributor, uh, excuse me, a, a disputer is a compliment. But to me, it just felt like it was kind of stirring the pot a little bit. But yeah, look, you know, Kyrie Irving is, is a VP of the MBPA and, me as a as a man, how could I judge another man on on what he believes strongly about? And and if he is voicing himself for people in the NBA and the WNBA who weren't really hurt, then you know all the power to him. Uh, I think that if it was anybody else, there would be less scrutiny around this. But Kyrie Irving, yes, he has had a past of obviously being a disruptor for teams and things like that. But in in a case like this, where a man is speaking out for the better of of, of Look, not only himself, but other people and, and what they believe in strongly. I, I think it's hard to really criticize him fully. I understand it's frustrating. We all want the NBA to come back. But look, at the end of the day, guys, and, and you, I'm sure you guys could agree with me. I mean, there, there are bigger things in life going on than, than yeah, basketball right big. now. So it's deep. How, how am I going to judge another man? For, for something he feels strongly about? And I think we all feel strongly about. And, and again, him being the one to speak out for people who might not have had their voices heard, I just kind of feel like he was used as a scapegoat. You know, whether you agree with it or not, he has every right to do that just because LeBron doesn't like it or, or uh, the establishment as, as Woj, as Woj uh, quoted it. Um, it just feels like, you know, what, what if, what if somebody else was doing it? What if, what if Gordon Hayward was, was saying that mm. we'd be calling him the disruptor. Right. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, to me, I, uh, and, and you know what? Like, th- there is a conflict here because we were close to, you know, we are very close to basketball resuming and we all want that. And you have Garrett Temple, who's also a VP of the MBPA. He's in. Who's on Kyrie's team. Who's on Kyrie's team. They're boys. And he has a totally different stance on things. And I think it's important to respect both of these men's opinions and their perspectives and take it for what it is and try and meet in the middle somewhere. I think yeah. the Kyrie slander is a little... It's over the top. Yes. And, yo, like, let me tell you something. Like, I've disagreed with a lot of things that Kyrie has done this this past season and even in his past, his whole career. I've disagreed with a lot of things that he's done. But this is something that I can't really fault him for, especially as a VP of the MBPA. How could I fault another man for standing up for what he believes in? And Facts. something that is very, very more important than 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 basketball guys you know i just it's just jl's i i can't i can't listen i i just i'm with pooch i disagree with a lot of things that Kyrie says i give him credit though listen he says a lot of weird things that we would consider weird or unconventional unorthodox but i respect him in that very same regard because he's not afraid to stand on his own too and he's not afraid to go against the green i might not agree with it but i i respect him in that regard now on this topic on social justice, I'm with him 100%. I'm with him 100%. And I think they took the whole thing out of context where I think a lot of people came away with um, what happened on that conference call as Kyrie advocating for them to not play. And I don't think that was the situation. I think Mm -hmm. what he said, and Chris Haynes kind of clarified it, he said, Kyrie said, I'm with you if you want to play, but I don't think they should be playing. You know what I mean? He, that's, he's that's he's not all yeah. the way in it. He's not going to be playing anyway. He's injured. 
So all he basically said was, we're trying to, on this conference call, we're trying to come together as a one unit, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is a union. This is a players association. We're trying to come together as one. And and you guys also voice your opinions on this. But he was basically saying, I'm not all for it, but I will support it if you guys are right. in. But everybody took it as, you know, Kyrie's trying to overthrow this whole thing, which I didn't think that was fair to him. And and it was too much yeah. character assassination for me, JLs. Yeah, sometimes when you have a reputation, yep, uh, it doesn't really matter what you say. The targets are really on your back and you're kind of just branded as being outlandish. Even if you're saying the most PC, <laughs> you know, media train comment, it can be skewed into a certain type of way. And, and the reality of this, too, is there is really no not really a good answer here to be honest because there's there's pros and cons for every step you take if they if they don't go back and the players lose money the nba loses money and there's people who want money and if they want to play and if you do play like people can get sick because the, the disney bubble isn't really a bubble really facts <laughs> yes yeah. hey. there's no real clear cut it's, it's crazy, bro. And you mentioned the finance, the financial ramifications of this of not playing is tremendous. Listen to this. If they decide, if they let's say they decided to cut the cord, right? I'm just pulling this. This was from Woj's article. If they decided to cut the cord, the NBA can call what's called a force majeure. This is a legal term, which means basically they wouldn't be able to satisfy their contractual obligations due to unforeseen circumstances, and they can mm-hmm. use COVID. As as a uh, as as a cause for that, right? They're already losing three hundred million dollars in salary. If the NBA called in that force majeure, every player would lose one percent of their salary for every game missed. That could total up to one point two billion dollars. On top of that, if they call the force majeure, the NBA can tear up the collective bargaining agreement. And try to renegotiate, which means you could have a lockout for next season. Which, they're already splitting the revenue 50-50. What Woj is speculating is that the NBA could use that opportunity to milk the players for more money and and tilt the ratio to the NBA's favor. So you could have a lockout. A lot on the line, man. It's a lot on the line. (laughs) And so when people are like, well, why did Kyrie vote yes last week? I think it was a unanimous vote because... At first, they're like, let's protect the money. It's a lot of players right. that need this money. You know what I mean? We talked to Langston Galloway a couple weeks ago, JLs. He's all for it. There's players like a Langston Galloway that need that money. You don't you don't know how much longer he's gonna be yeah. in the league. You know, but I still think the grievances with you know, Melo said yesterday he didn't have enough information on the bubble site. He's not sure. Um, and then obviously with everything with the civil unrest, Lou Williams is like why are we coming out to do this when there's so much other things going on in the world? So I, I think it's all understandable. Yeah. I, I think it's all understandable, man. It's crazy, bro. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, crazy. it's, it's I don't think any, I don't think he really villainized anybody for saying anything at this point. I, you can't, right. you can't bro. And, and I know the Kyrie thing is popular to pile up on him, but I, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't get on him for that, man. There's just so many moving parts, and we're in, we're in uncharted waters right now. So it's like again, you you have to take it. Every every man that's in the NBA, every woman that's in the WNBA, you have to respect everybody's perspective, and and really, you know, again, like I like I understand the economic and financial consequences if they don't play, but then there's the side where you know 
are we doing what's right here? You know, sh should we maybe yeah. be focusing and prioritizing on things that are bigger than basketball? So, yeah. again, yeah. it's, it's it, like you said, you know, it, it's it's hard to really say anybody's wrong because everybody's entitled to their own opinion and beliefs. And, right. again, and they're the ones that are putting themselves out there, not us. You know, we're we're here talking about right. right. that doing it. So, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about these guys being holed up at Disney World, no family. They got to be bubbled up. They got to get tested every day. Now they're saying, JLs, that the support staff is not going to be isolated. So are they going to be tested every day? And now you got to stay at Disney World for seven weeks. You can't even go to the parks, you know. I'm turkey legs ain't going to be so good in week three, man. You know what I mean? It's going to get a little overrated, bro. You can't go to Magic Mountain. You know what I mean? You can't go to Magic Mountain. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, Melo's saying he's not so sure about it. Um, Obviously, the spider already had it, so he's like, he's not so sure. Yeah. Um, Dwight Howard, I read someone that like hit one of his baby mom passed away from it, so maybe he's, he's not so sure. So um, I think I think what's going to end up happening is I, I think they are going to play, and I think there's going to be a lot of players that don't play. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole shit's going to be watered down, man. I'm telling you, the whole thing's going to be watered down. No fans in the in the stands. Mm -hmm. What a way to end the season! I wonder the the, the, the I wonder the guy the people with championship aspirations will be more motivated. Oh, they all in. They're all in. Notice who wasn't on the call. LeBron wasn't yeah. on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the freak was You have Avery Bradley, who's a teammate of LeBron, who supported what Kyrie said. So you do have people even on the Lakers. And True. then you mentioned Lou Will on the Clippers. I mean, you know, these are guys, Dwight Howard's on the Lakers. Like, the guys that they have they have a legitimate shot at winning a ring, and they're, they're voicing out against, you know, what LeBron and, and a lot of the league wants to do, and that's resume. And, and you know, again, I think some of them, really do understand that maybe a championship, a watered-down championship isn't worth, uh, I guess, you know, putting the rest of the issues that we have going on right now to the right. side. But, again, it's just it's intriguing to see, you know, guys like Avery Bradley step up and, and speak out. I think it's crucial for guys like that. And, again, yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of players just, yeah. just kind of sit out. And and Austin Rivers came out last night, basically, to, you know, addressing Kyrie's situation, saying um, we should be playing. He, he thinks it could be a welcome distraction for the communities um, as a way to keep, you know, at-risk youth out of trouble as a welcome distraction and so on and so forth. And then to, to allow the players that do need the money to, to get paid. So Austin Rivers is all in. He, he's all in the place. So we'll see, man. We'll definitely see, but this is unprecedented times. I will say that the one thing I do like is that what you're seeing from these players in terms of being concerned about what's going on in the country, I think is great. I think it's great to see. I think these guys are very are leading. Um, this generation of athletes are, are, are leading, and, and they're willing to get out on the front lines and fight for social justice. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think uh, you see LeBron just came out with his um, voters coalition. We're going to educate people on the voting process and talk about, you know, the voting suppression techniques that's going on around the country, yeah. which is which to me is a very real thing, no matter which side of the aisle you, you, uh, you know, represent. And so that's that's what I like. You know, I, I like the fact yeah. that, you know, they're trying to come together and, and really make an impact here. We'll see what happens and, you know, we'll see what actions they take. But I think that the thought process is that this is going to be uh, a movement and not just a moment in time like some of these other incidents have uh, have spawned on us. So 
Yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there, man. Um, yeah, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Let's take another phone call on um, Knicks in Brooklyn. Let's go to JJ from Brooklyn in the building. How you feeling, bro? Yo, what up? How's everyone doing? Good, man. What's All going right. on? Good, good. Uh, I just actually wanted to make uh, two quick points. One was, you know, with all the, you know, GMs we have now, assistant GMs and all the scouts we hired, you know, who do you think has the most say in terms of, you know, the next draft and free agency? Obviously, Leon Rose is the president, but I think, you know, I guess a diff- bunch of different guys will have a little bit of say. And then I just want to make one quick draft point. Uh, I was th- been thinking about the draft a lot lately, and what I would do is, I would, be, I would try and trade down, even if we got, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people love Anthony Edwards, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't think he's a fit next to RJ because I, I just don't think he's a good enough shooter to be next to RJ. They both need the ball in their hands. Yeah. So why not trade down if we got, like, a top five pick and go to 12 and draft, like, a Naismith or a Vassell and then trade back up from 27 using, like, a knock maybe on a DSJ and then, and the Clippers pick and draft like a Kira Lewis if he's there, like yeah. 17 or 18. What would you think about that? Well, yeah. you're getting like a future first round pick possibly in the deal and trade down too. For sure. I mean, listen, I, I, it depends on where we pick in the lottery, right? Let's get to yeah. the lottery first, which I think is October, August 25th. Let's see where we pick and, and, um, and see where we end up. Obviously, if there's no shot at LaMelo and you're looking at, you know, picking between third and say fifth, three and five. You know, maybe they do entertain the possibility of trading down, JLs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if Lamelo's out the out the question, which I feel I feel like everybody knows that that's we're probably targeting that, then I wouldn't mind trading down, maybe getting a a Lewis. I'd definitely try to get a clear Lewis. So, but I, I kind of even like um Killian too. So, mm-hmm. I still might keep it. We'll see. Anything is possible, JJ. Man, we got mm-hmm. a couple couple months to uh <laughs> to pontificate, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. anything is possible, man. Um, on the front office thing, I think it's going to be Leon's call. You know, I, I think it's going to be Leon's call um, on the draft with, with Scott Perry and Perrin, you know, adding their inputs. It's, it'll be a team effort, but I think ultimately Leon will have to make the call. I feel like it's going to be Scott Perry, Perrin. I feel like Perrin, I feel like Perrin is the dark horse here. Mm. Because wasn't Perrin around before Scott Perry? Kind of showing him something. At Detroit. Like- yeah, in Detroit. In Detroit, yeah. So I, even though even though uh, Scott Perry technically might be higher on like the totem pole as far as who's in charge, I feel like Perry might be like the dark horse of deciding what's going on, and he has the best track record to me. It seems. Yeah, certainly <laughs> certainly possible, man. Certainly possible. You know what goes on in the war room, but I think ultimately, um, you know, Leon will will take those recommendations, and I think he'll have to make the call. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how that goes, man. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. We got almost 500 people watching, JL. So salute to everybody watching on uh, YouTube, on Facebook. Happy Saturday, everybody. We have uh, Anthony Puccio from Nets Daily and Brooklyn Way joining yes, us. Drop some dimes on the Kenny Atkinson situation and also on the Kyrie situation. Um, Puccio, I'll, I'll swing it over to you, man, just to sign out. Let the fans know where they could find you. And um, yeah, man, let let the fans know what you, your Twitter handles and everything, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, guys. Um, hey, Pooch on Twitter. I don't run the Nets Daily Twitter account, so I know you guys going back and forth. With that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of mentor to me, but you know, again, like that, 
And with all due respect, I don't run that account. I'm at A Pooch on Twitter. I'm at A Pooch on Instagram, Facebook. Look, man, I know, I know I'm a Nets writer and things like that. And there's been some words said, the Geo thing, this, that, and the other thing. But I'm all for having a good basketball conversation. It's all love here. I appreciate you guys having me on and, and, and really just great chat with you guys about life and basketball, really. Appreciate really. you, Pooch, and definitely respect everything that you do. Um, JL's go ahead and sign out, bro. Uh, yeah, you know, you know the deal. Uh, YouTube.com slash Time Show. Check out this episode. Um, we haven't had new newer episodes up on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play as, as of yet because of the you know the different ways we're recording right now. But those will be up soon. So definitely check out SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher, and just find the Nick Time Show. The Nick Time Show on there as well. Um, also, you can get the merch, like merch behind me at the Nick Time Show.com. That is all. Back to you, CP. Yes, sir. Right. JLs and um, salute to everybody for watching once again, man. Almost 500 people watching on a Saturday afternoon on the East Coast. We definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in. Once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Number one show for the fans, by the fans. JLs, I, I rock my Mitch Please t shirt just in case Pooch popped off. <laughs> just just in case he popped just off with any case. nonsense. Yeah, I got it. So let you know. can get yours in the link below. Shout out to Mitch. Out there in New Orleans, hoisting up threes. Remember, this show is available in audio podcast format. Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Google Play, Amazon Alexa, and Stitcher. Uh, Make sure you guys leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, once again, appreciate it. Make sure you guys catch up on our our previous interviews, man. Raymond Felton interview was a smash. Charlie Ward, Xavier McDaniel, uh, Langston Galloway, Rasheed Wallace interview was a classic. Make sure we got a ton, a ton of content to catch up on. Make sure you guys do that. We're working on a blockbuster, J. Ellis, like I told you, man. The the blockbuster announcement is coming soon. So we're working on a blockbuster. Yeah. And it'll be exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. If you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, man. Once again, salute all the mods. Uh, Dave, appreciate you. John Talento, always in here first. Livingston Mills, appreciate it. Pranav, always appreciate it. Uh, Will the Thrill in here, definitely appreciate it. J. Ellis, who you want to shout out? Elixir Flow. I like that name. I don't know why. Nice. Shout out to you. Fritz Alessantor, always holding down. John Talento, chat hop and shout out to you as well. Chef NYK. Rip Nuggy Fresh in the building. Shout out to you. <laughs> oh, this, this is what I did in high school. I, 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 I a little Rozelle beatbox. Yeah, yeah. J. Ellis Hidden Talents. I got a lot of it. Anyway. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, hey, I'm sure there's some Knicks, Nets fans watching. It's okay, people. You don't have to hide in the chat. We know you're here repping Pooch. You know, we know you're here repping. We Show appreciate yourself, you guys. Bro. Show yourself. So, all the Nets fans in the chat should reveal yourselves to us right now. Let us know you're in here. License registration. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. So, yeah, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys, man. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.